0: Koinonia, Christian fellowship, communion with God and with fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is Koinonia. This is community. And now, your host, Tom Brown.
1: Welcome to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm David Zook, sitting in for Tom this afternoon. And today we'll be talking about the city and the church. When we speak about the city, we're speaking specifically about the urban part of the city and the importance of it in the way that it helps produce culture, in the way that it's the densest and most uh, diverse part of the city. And oftentimes it's the place where Christ is absent the most as well. So today, well, I've invited a, a good friend of mine. In fact, he's a co-partner in crime with me. His name is Jim Hellman. Uh, he is the pastor of the downtown Phoenix Church, and we have been a part of uh, establishing a church in that in the downtown area now for uh, a little over two years now. Is that right, Jim?
0: That's right. We started uh, as a—I wanted to be a missionary, and so I was looking as an opportunity, but I, I'd always thought to be a missionary, you had to be in another country. And uh, through the North American Mission Board and through the SEND network, they gave me an opportunity to be a missionary in my own city. And so I'd been here for some 35 years and thought the opportunity sounded pretty grand, especially since we had grandchildren coming our direction. And so uh, it was pretty special for us to be able to stay in the city, stay with our children and their spouses and our grandchildren.
1: And Jim and I met um, a little over two, probably two and a half years ago. Um, I have the same heart for the city that he does. I have been doing a lot of missionary work uh, in and around the, uh, the urban core of the city. And we were introduced by a friend of ours. And as we began to talk and, and kind of share our dreams for the city, we quickly realized that we had like minds and like hearts. And we saw this as truly a uh, – uh, a work that only God could put together, and we have endeavored to um, work together over the past couple of years. And uh, uh, with the attempt of bringing, of promoting the peace of Christ to that area of town, and what we have discovered as we bring that peace of Christ to that part of town, um, people begin to recognize us as uh, men uh, and, and women of peace. Um, they begin to invite us into their lives in ways that the church may not have been invited into their lives in the past. In fact, we've had uh, at least one and maybe others who have said, boy, if I, I wish this ch- type of church was around when I was a bit younger because my life could be a bit different than what it is today.
0: We see so many great churches that are doing fantastic things, but it—, it I think about a field with all the crops in the middle, and sometimes you have to start to expand and work out into the margins and the areas where uh, the the ground might be a little bit harder. It might be a little more difficult to get the uh, water out to those points, but you've got a, a legion of people out there that are living on the fringes for one reason or another that need to know Christ. So you have to figure out, well, how can I be involved in those lives to develop a trust, uh, a a relationship such that they give us the ability to trust our conversations so we can talk about these spiritual things?
1: Yeah, and uh, that's exactly what we have been doing over the past couple years. In order to help guide our discussion today, there is a fantastic book that was written about three years ago, Um, by two Christian pastors who happen to be church planters in the urban area, one from Boston, one from Silicon Valley. It's Why Churches Matter by Stephen Um and Justin uh, uh, Blizzard. Uh, When we return, we're going to dive into some of the research that they have found about the urban areas and why that's important for the church. Welcome back to Coinoneo on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm David Zook, filling in for Tom Brown, and today we are talking about the city, the church, culture, and God. A lot of stuff to cover in just uh, 50 some odd minutes, right, Jim?
0: Talk fast.
1: (laughs) Talk fast. There is a book written by uh, Stephen Um, who is a church planter uh, serving in Boston, and Justin Buzzard, who is a church planter serving in Silicon Valley. They wrote this book about three years ago, and it's a it's a it's uh, really an apologetic on why cities matter. In the evangelical community, um, I think the evangelicals have done a terrific job in the outer ring of the cities in, in many of the suburban areas. And I think one of the reasons why uh, evangelicals thrive in those areas is because for the most part, everyone is, is just about the same, um, similar economic status, similar social status, similar stage of life, similar belief system. And so it's, re- it's relatively easier to start churches in areas like that because you can congregate a bunch of people much quicker. Mm -hmm. when everybody has the same beliefs but then when you go into the urban core of a city um, this is where you have density and diversity
0: well and that's one of the things that makes the urban uh, landscape so attractive to people nowadays too is because of the diversity because you have people that are multi-generational and that's actually a strength of the fabric of the urban area you have new buildings and old buildings That way you have some of the older buildings that will have a cost point that will be lower than the new buildings. You've got parks. You've got uh, longer blocks where people are walking rather than using their cars all the time. Uh, You've got public transit where people are mixing together. You've got um, a place where you live, and you've got that third-space coffee shop that is just, uh, oh, 500 feet away. And so all that brings about diversity and just a collection of people uh, melding together and sharing their lives together and allows you to uh, spiritually have some of these conversations with people of diversity, and then that allows you then eventually through a trust value to be able to have some, some things where you share your faith.
1: Yeah, They write in their book, cities are diverse, dense places where different types of people interact with one another. Cities are populated with people of various cultures, different worldviews, and different vocations. Cities force individuals to refine their cultural assumptions, religious beliefs, and a sense of calling as they rub against the sharp edges of their assumptions, beliefs, and expertise of other city dwellers. So three years ago, when you were with a larger church mm-hmm. um, and you uh, sensed this call to move to downtown, you began to discover... Uh, what downtown was all about. Uh, I know you and I have talked about how this statement would resonate mm-hmm. with us. How has your experience in the past three years of living downtown changed some of your assumptions, beliefs about other people, uh, and how has that also sharpened your own belief in figuring out way and also figuring out ways to share your faith in ways that would make sense to people from different backgrounds?
0: Well, my background for years was with Campus Crusade for Christ, and that's a terrific uh, place as a college student to learn the significance and the importance of sharing your faith and being involved in, in people's lives and, and uh, looking for an opportunity to talk to them about your own faith experience. What I have found now as an adult at this point in my life is that a lot of people that may have had questions about spiritual things no longer um, have those questions on the tip of their tongue. They're a little bit done with the church or they've had some experience uh, that has caused them to shy away from spiritual matters and and question those things. They still consider themselves spiritual, but for the most part, many of them aren't necessarily uh, a part of a a faith family on a regular basis. So what I've found is that uh, I need to listen a lot more than talk. Uh, I I had uh, questions that I had been given that you use, like if you were to die tonight, would you know – if you would go to heaven or not. Those kind of questions are great for starting conversations sometimes. But they're, they're a little bit cliche now. And it's it's a better situation just to sit down with people and say, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? Well, why do you like hot coffee when it's 112 outside? And, and you just get to know the person for who they are. And then when you start to share life together, then you start to have these conversations uh, and say, you know, my experience Lynn, leans toward this this to be true as we were raising our children as we were going through life as we're making plans for our finances we're all having struggles i found that when i have a sense that there is a faith family that cares about me i have this kind of of uh, feeling that goes on with that and i feel like people care about me and that's where it goes and so then they say well you know i you know, I have a few friends, but I don't have many friends. And then you start to have these conversations with people, and then they realize, you know, there is something missing in their life. Uh, and you can say, well, I found that that missing element is often because – and you've it's a relational equity that you've built up in people's lives where they care enough. And as long as you don't go in with an agenda – And it was probably my own fault to a certain degree. But I had an agenda that I wanted to ask a question so that you would answer it in a certain way that I could go on to my next step, the third step, the fourth step, the fifth step, etc. And so when you're just saying, you know what, I don't really know where this conversation is going to go, but let's have a conversation. And I want to hear about your life. I just care about you.
1: One of the things I've discovered uh, in working downtown over the past couple of years is that um, many of the people down there are very sophisticated and, and have their antennas up when it comes to having faith conversations. They're waiting for that cliched question sure. so that they can um, answer it so you can get on to your next question and, and next question. And what I've noticed is, is that people really tune you out when you begin with those cliched type things. They uh, So w- we have to be a little bit more sophisticated and authentic at the same time. And I love the way that you you phrase that. It's it, it simply um, some of the things that Jesus would have done back when in his day. He's, he he always wanted um, – the relationship was always more important to him than the religion. And that was the way that he was able to get people to come to him is through a relationship. Um, one of the other things that I've observed, and you can uh, sh- uh, chime in on this in just a second, is, is the fact that this is a very slow burn. Mm-hmm. When we talk about church plans, oftentimes there's a three-year plan or a five-year plan and and the money is cut off or this is cut off or that's cut off and you need to have a certain number of people and self-sufficiency in a certain period of time. And that may work well in many of the suburban environments. When it comes to the urban environment, I think it's a, a bit trickier. Wouldn't you agree?
0: I, I do. I think that uh, I use the analogy of hard ground, and we in Arizona know about hard ground. It's really easy that when you pour a bucket of water on the hard ground, it just runs off too quickly. It has to drip. It has to go slow. And has in order to be able to seep down to the roots to do something, uh, it's going to take a while. So it's just a drip system, slow, steady, being involved in people's lives, showing up in the, when there's a need, not always having the answers because as you get older, you figure out that there are a lot of things that you don't have the answers to, but you just have to stand with people sometimes in the gap. Mm-hmm. There was a young man the other day that called, and uh, it's somebody that uh, Morningside Presbyterian had started uh, a ministry with, And you had asked uh, if I could be involved with that young man, and I hadn't had a chance to tell you this yet. But I went by, and as he was telling me the story, I didn't interrupt him. I let him talk all the way through for 20 minutes. He's a young man with two children and came to Phoenix with high expectations, probably made some mistakes at that point uh, uh, of not checking out all the, the avenues before he got here, but nevertheless frustrated trying to figure things out. And at the end, he just said, at least you'd listen to me. And I said, I don't have the answers, but I'll stand and listen to you for a while. I think one of the things I've heard is, I'll, I'll sit with you in the dark. Uh, when somebody's going to turn off light. I don't have the ability to turn the lights back on with APS, but I will sit with you in the dark. Mm -hmm. So sometimes just sitting with people and caring about them, not talking so much but just being present, is as strong a thing as you can do. And Christ showed us that over and over again, where he would be about his business, but for the – Hemorrhaging woman, for the woman at the well, Uh, even for the thieves on the cross, he took and turned his full attention to them at a time where you'd think his attention would be other places. But time and time again, he focused on the one person.
1: Mm. Very, very wise words. Um, I've heard it said so many times that we have two ears and one mouth, and Mm -hmm. we need to be reminded of that. As as is the one of the other thoughts in the book is this idea that we were made to create. Um, We're patterned after God who created everything. And then within us, he has uh, given us the ability to create all sorts of things, um, anything within our imagination. So, you know, we're talking about films and TV. We're talking about architecture. We're talking about products like cars and air conditioning and all sorts of stuff. So if we're born to create and, and, and called to be fruitful and to multiply and to develop and to cultivate and to flourish and then you throw on top of that we're relational beings, then cities really begin to make sense where people would congregate together in order to um, share in one another's gifts. So one person doesn't have to do everything. But if I'm a, if I'm a, um, a rancher and I love to uh, do that sort of thing, you don't have to be. I'll supply the meat to you, but mine, if, if you want to be the carpenter and build me a house, well, then maybe we can swap stuff. And that's where cities, uh, as they've discovered, really begin to
0: crop up. It, it, it's, it's a mutual type of thing. You're living a life together and sharing each other's lives mm-hmm. and what that looks like. Um, you will have opportunities time and time again if you don't try to force things quite so much, but take time just to be involved in people's lives. And you see that um, I have a car. You don't have a car. It's 118 out here. And you just really, you only have to walk your children to school uh, a half a mile. But boy, when it's that hot, that is l- laborious. And so, well, I can give you a ride, and it'll take me 10 minutes, and I can work this out where I can give you a ride. And so we'll share life together. Mm-hmm. And once you do just some of those small things like that, it's amazing how much easier it is than to share your faith with people and how they'll just naturally ask you know, why would you do something like this? Well, yeah. that that's what my Savior taught me to do.
1: The Bible invites us to settle and to engage and contribute to cities. This comes out of uh, Jeremiah 29, uh, essentially to be a faithful presence. So when we come back here in a few minutes, we're going to touch on this idea of being a faithful presence, uh, what that means, and how we have seen that as a church body in downtown really begin to pay dividends as we continue to meet people and um, provide for their basic needs, like that gal who needs uh, needs a ride just a half mile or the gentleman who just needs someone to listen to, um, listen to him. If we aren't that faithful presence, um, nobody will be. You're listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk, 1360 KPXQ. I'm David Zook, filling in for Tom Brown today, and we'll be back in a few minutes.
0: Does your family believe?
1: (music) Welcome back to Koinonia on Faith Talk, 1360 KPXQ. I'm David Zook, filling in for Tom Brown today, and we are talking about God, cities, the church, and culture. Uh, my guest today is Jim Homan. Uh, Jim and myself have been uh, working on establishing a church in downtown Phoenix for the past couple of years. And I believe we both had preconceived ideas of what that would look like going into this project. And two years later, uh, it looks radically different than I think that both you and I uh, thought that it would look like at this point. One of the things that we have discovered is, is this idea of being a faithful presence, and uh, if we look back to Jeremiah uh, in 29, um, that was the time that the Israelites were scattered all throughout Babylon, and God came to Jeremiah and pretty much told him to tell the Israelites, hey, wherever you are, that's where you are. Plant yourself. Engage with your neighbors. Pray for them. Um, demonstrate... Who I am and the character and nature of who I am to all of these people who do not know who I am. They may be serving other gods, may be worshiping other gods, may have different worldviews, the whole nine yards. Point is, is, they don't know me, as God would say. So be a faithful presence where I have planted you. That idea has really resonated with us, I would say, over the past year or so as we continue to discover um, what it is to be a church in a very dense and uh, diverse environment. What are some of the things that have struck you over the past year or so? Um, Stories that you can think of, people that we've uh, come across just because we've been a faithful presence.
0: One of the things that so often comes up, people ask the question, well, where is your church? And I'll say, well, we're actually a parish. We use the area between 7th Street 7th Avenue, McDowell down to Van Buren. That's one square mile. In that one square mile, you have about 18,000 people, uh, 12,000 students at ASU downtown. You've got another 800 or so at U of A at the uh, medical College downtown university, you've got people that are involved in the community and live in the community. So roughly eighteen thousand people. Rather than have a spot that you're calling people to a church, uh, real estate's expensive. But we can partner with the business owners that are down there, and by developing a relationship with them, it's it's the arts district. We can be a church in the community, and so we use uh, some of the phrases like church is a verb. That means we want to be involved in people's lives. And so rather than try to call them into something that's different, such as, hey, I know you don't go to church on Sunday morning. Once you come to my church, we're located, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. You know, what can I do? And where I see people in their, as a part of their life. So One story was when they were doing uh, some work on some uh, landscaping uh, downtown, and it was just a a group of volunteers doing the landscaping. Well – I've done landscaping in my yard. I've done the drip system. I know that the blue stripe on the side of the pipe, people that are listening will know what that means. Some Sometimes there's a blue stripe, sometimes there's not, and there's a slight difference between the two and the sizes, and the, and the parts don't always fit together just like they're supposed to because there are slightly different sizes based on who made it. And so I was showing them, well, here's how you can take this part and work it with this part, and, and they just didn't have experience with them. So what started out as just a common project together of installing a drip system uh, said this is a this is a contribution that i can make and then inevitably D- david what comes up with people is they say you know we're doing this because and they'll explain it why are you doing this i said well my faith teaches me i should be a part of the community to have a faithful presence and um, that looks like helping people that looks like being involved in the, if it's important to them it can be important to me too. And so just by being their friend, and then eventually it works into a situation where. There's a, a a person that uh, that Colleen and I had gotten to know downtown, uh, a uh, police officer for and Colleen ASU. is your wife. Colleen is my wife, and so together we're doing ministry and we're having these discussions. And uh, what started out is just a common denominator of he had Dachshunds, I have a Dachshund, and so we had taken our dog to ASU, and he'd seen the dog, and so he'd come with a curiosity. Well, eventually, I found out that his wife. Had cancer. And so it was during uh, a time that we were having this discussion about that and found out what type of cancer it was and realized it's a very serious cancer. I said, You know, I just want to pray for you. Do you mind? And because of the conversations we'd had about dogs, because of the conference, he said, Yeah, I wish you would. And so we did and found out a little bit about his spiritual background. Um, That led us to Ash Wednesday, uh, bestowing the ashes on on his forehead as we could do, and then going to visit his wife. Eventually his wife passed away. Uh, It was a, a difficult cancer, but because of the trust, he asked me to come up to Chicago and to officiate at the funeral for his wife. Uh, they had moved here from Chicago, so they had more friends back there. And uh, there was a – because he had been a police officer, the former mayor of Naperville was there. And and uh, just a chance to have these conversations, I thought, you know, how did I get here in such a short amount of time? It was purely because of a relationship, because I had a conversation with a person that garnered a trust to say, here's something that is very, very intimate in my life. I've lost my wife. I need somebody to do the funeral. She would want you to do it. So one of the
1: things I hear you say is just by showing up, suiting up and showing up, opportunities like this arise. And we never know when that opportunity is going to be there. And so we have to be that faithful presence. We have to be in that coffee shop for a couple hours every day. We have to be uh, giving out water to students a couple hours a week. We have to be – In meetings with a number of different nonprofits, as as we hear their plans and their dreams for that portion of downtown, that they'll eventually ask us what our ideas would be.
0: One of our value statements is how important strategic partnerships are and finding out what just by doing walking the community not riding your bike, not driving your car, walking the community, you find out some of these things that are going on in your community, and you realize, okay, Salvation Army has a terrific program going on Friday nights with Celebrate Recovery. So, uh, guys, would you need any help with that? Of course we would. Uh, We you know, we really are lacking in music. Well, my background's in music, so I have some great friends that do some terrific music. Would you like for us to—absolutely. Do you have somebody that could speak? Absolutely. And so you have a partnership, and so we'll be doing that in a couple of weeks, where we help host alongside them Celebrate Recovery. We've done pop-up church in some of these third spaces, spaces that are coffee shops. Uh, we'll do a pop-up concert uh, It's rather than have our own building and constantly trying to get people to come to our place, we're finding ways that we actually go out within the community, permeate the community, involve ourselves in the community, and just say that's important to you, that's important to us, and we can be your friend, and this is what it looks like.
1: One of the things that Justin and Stephen mention in their book is this idea that at no other time in American history has our country or our church life – looked similar to the early church. And as I envision what that early church looked like, they didn't have the big buildings. They they met in houses. They met at the marketplace. They met underneath trees and parks. Wherever uh, the public met is where they went. And I have the sense that that a lot of what we're doing mimics what what they had done way back when. It's interesting to know that as Christianity was beginning to spread throughout that Roman Empire. Uh, Paul was very strategic in going to the major cities first. Mm -hmm. Um, If you look at Athens, uh, Athens was the intellectual capital of the world. If you look at Corinth, Corinth was the commercial capital of the world. Uh, Ephesus was the spiritual capital of the world. And Rome, of course, was, as all roads led to Rome, the, mm. the, the big kahuna capital of the world.
0: Politically strong.
1: Yeah, the, the political capital of the world. So they, um, he understood that as if, when you get into cities and you begin to um, share your faith with people in the cities, and, um, over time, uh, that influence begins to grow. And as that influence begins to grow, culture begins to change. And I think we've lost sight of a lot of that here in America. When we look at the uh, a lot of the issues in the urban areas, um, I, I sense and I see that in large part one of the reasons is because we do not have uh, strong parish-driven churches in many of the areas in, in these urban areas, and it's not for the lack of trying. Um, it's hard work. This is first century church work where we're seeing more as missionaries than we are church planters. And and as you mentioned earlier, it takes some time to do that.
0: Well, let me give you an example. Any great doctor that comes into a situation wouldn't say, you know what, I had a very successful situation last week. I, uh, I had a patient and I started on my antibiotics and had such a good result i 'm just going to start prescribing antibiotics for every patient that I have, even before I take time to ask them questions as to what 's wrong and, and and no doctor would do that and yet sometimes we 'll look at a successful story and we 'll say that that 's something we need to duplicate, and so they 'll take the story rather than all the research and the time and Most of the time, when you start to talk to a Saddleback and to a Willow Creek, you'll find that there was an arduous amount of time that was spent getting to know the community, finding out who they really are, seeing where the needs were, and spending time to help meet those needs. If we can do the same thing as missionaries, before we start to teach people how to speak our churchy language, learn their language and find out something about their lives and say, you know, we can help fill in the gap here. Would that be okay? Would that be helpful? And uh, sometimes you get a yes, sometimes you get a no, and you realize, okay, I misread that. That's not the situation. But But I'm asking, and you continue to develop a relationship with people to figure out, something that's a need in their life where i think that a spiritual element can be a part of their life Uh, there's a spiritual uh dimension that that needs to be introduced in their life and so by spending time along with them you figure these things out and say i can bring this to the conversation would you allow that and i believe that's what it seems like a lot of um the early church did
1: Of course, Paul did preach and he did do all those marvelous things, but I think behind the scenes there's a lot of things that were going on in the one to one relationships. There's a fellow by the name of Rodney Sark, he's a religious sociologist out of Baylor University. He said the reason why Christianity grew to to the extent that it did in 300 years is because common people did the uncommon thing. Um, And and those common people were Christians who were doing things that were completely countercultural. in bringing uh, an ethos into the culture that wakened people up and say, hey, I want what you have. But they couldn't have done that if it wasn't for the way that they lived their lives out and the way that they were a faithful presence in that city. When we return, we're going to be uh, visiting about the reasons why uh, cities uh, began to exist and how churches can impact that. You're listening to coin and on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm David Zuck filling in for Tom Brown. Welcome back to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm David Zook, filling in for Tom Brown today, and we are talking about the church, cities, God, and the culture. I have with me a special guest, my friend and partner in crime, uh, Jim Hellman, who is the pastor of the downtown church. We have been uh, working on establishing a church down there for a couple of years. I would say it's established. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and we have discovered some things over the past uh, th- two to three years that we've been working on this that we did not realize going into it. Uh, to help us guide in our discussion today, um, I've been reading a fascinating book by the uh, by Stephen Um, who's a pastor out of Boston, a church planting pastor out of Boston, and Justin Buzzard, who's a church planting pastor out of the Silicon Valley, their book, Why uh, why Cities Matter to God, Culture, and the Church, was written three years ago. And one of the things that they mentioned in their book was this, how did um, cities come together to begin with? Why would cities even exist? And they discovered that uh, many of the ancient cities that that were um, founded were founded on three reasons—safety, trade, and worship— Um, If you could imagine way back when, um, if you didn't have walls around your house or walls around the city, it was very easy for murderers and rapists and thieves to come into your property and kill you and rape your wife and take all your stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So people would move into the city where they would have a city wall that would protect them from all of the uh, bad guys out there. Cities also existed as a point of trade. Um, If I was a – a, a sheep rancher, and I uh, cut a bunch of wool. What am I going to do with the, all that wool? Well, I'm going to take it into a s- town. I'm going to trade it for something else. So there was the ex- uh, uh, the existence of cities for that. And thirdly, and this surprised me a lot, was uh, this fact of worship. Um, in many of the ancient cities, regardless of the religion or their their worldview, um, there would be some sort of a temple or some sort of a, a religious thing there in the middle of the city. And so people would make pilgrimages to that city for certain festivals uh, and for certain times of the year, much like Mecca would be today or Jerusalem, if you look back in the Bible, in the Old Testament with all their festivals that they had, people would come from all over the region into the city in order to worship their God. Um, as we look at that, those things, one of the things that's really resonated with Jim and myself and, and we've discovered is this idea— That um, when we promote the peace of Christ um, to the people of downtown, and we really begin to um, help them understand what that peace is, it seems to to fall into these three categories, Um, certainly the safety category. Um, When you talk about reconciling people to God and reconciling people to one another— it seems like safety would would increase in that area.
0: Sure. Well, and also you think about uh, sharing your life together with people, um, the analogy uh, of how it takes a village to raise a child. In a community like that, a lot of times you don't have the finances, but you have a neighbor, and the neighbor will watch your kids while you go shopping, and I'll shop for you if you'll watch all the kids together. And so you share your lives together, and that's just part of a tighter community that begins to trust one another and begin, begin to develop those kind of relationships where they can help one another and rather than trying to live your life isolated off by yourself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's um, And as the city, as the neighbors become... Um uh, better known to each other, and is that trustworthy builds. Um, I know in my neighborhood that I live, we're starting to see a, a lot of those things come together. And now people are watching out for people's houses during the middle of the day because oftentimes that's when these petty thieves will come into a house. It's when everybody's at work. sure, And um, so, so there's a lot of people watching out for one another. Um, one of the other things that I have found interesting – about all of that is this idea that um, when we talk about the peace of Christ and that reconciliation piece, um, people when they start to become reconciled to each other um, there there's a tighter bond there than there would be otherwise suddenly it 's just not my neighbor or just but he's he's my friend he 's my dear friend, and we share. This bond together of peace, this bond of of Christ to one another, and um, w- which takes our relationship to a completely different level than it would be if I am just watching out for my neighbor because because I love them.
0: I think when we talk about the peace of Christ, um, we can talk in, in generics about peace and the need of peace. Uh, we talk about love and the need for love but when you start to put things into a perspective of what the bible teaches for a peace of christ that peace that surpasses all understanding that only the holy spirit can bring that that just begins to break all sorts of of boundaries as to what people would understand to think that you could have a a peace as you stare at cancer that you would have peace as you stare at your business not doing well that you can have peace when things are just not all going like it's supposed to do. And so people marvel at that, and they understand. And that's when sometimes our faith speaks the loudest, is when things are not going well, and people see something in us, uh, a glint of something that has to come from, well, it's, it's the Holy Spirit living through us.
1: You're right, right. And and also when we think about this whole idea of, of peace of Christ, we we get this notion that when that really resonates and is a part of us, we're not going to do other things to other people that we would want not done to ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we talk about this whole idea of trade. Um, When there's the peace of Christ reigning in a city and reigning in a group of people, um, all of a sudden trade's going to be trustworthy. You're not going to have corruption. You're not going to have bribery. You're not going to have – People taking um, advantage, taking advantage of others, or, or saying, "Hey, what? You, you know what? This uh, this wool weighs forty seven pounds when it weighs thirty mm-hmm. six, right?" Um, th- there's this idea that, and, and, and when you can begin to trust people, uh, particularly when it comes to trade, now uh, you have fle- f- uh, free flowing trade. You've got this huge trust level built up, and it's all built on the foundation of Jesus and the peace that He, ex- he has extended us. Um let's, let's take a little bit of a turn here, and one of the things that um, Stephen and Justin also mentioned in their book is this idea that uh, cities shape the culture, that uh, the immediate culture that's around the region. Um, they can also shape culture nationally or internationally. So when you look at music, that's largely produced in Nashville. A film and TV is largely produced in L.A. Musicals in New York, technology, Silicon Valley, um, any major city – um, has sports teams, museums, symphonies, research, cancer hospitals, airports, the whole nine yards. All of that stuff produces culture. Um, so the question that, that uh, has been banging around my head recently is how can we as a church downtown begin to influence and shape Arizona culture? And I think there's uh, – I'll, I'll give three examples. One is the peace of Christ, something we've just recently spoke about. Second is seeking the common good, which is what you have so eloquently spoken of um, and saying, you know what? This may not be important to me. I know it's important to you, so I'm going to go ahead and do this so that the common good could be elevated. The the last thing though, um, and this is where I want to get into this discussion of being spiritual versus being religious, is this idea of exposing the idols of the city. Um, you look at Washington D.C. That idol would be power. You look at Manhattan, the idol would be money. Mm-hmm. Um, Boston would be uh, probably academics. Mm-hmm. Uh, L.A. would be film or or entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, I get the sense that it, the Valley um, has this idea of destination, mm-hmm. <laughs> right, with all the golf courses and everything else. Mm-hmm. But but as we specifically narrow in on downtown, what are some of the things that you have seen in people that they that they worship other than God that you say, gosh, if we could figure out a way to build a bridge into that person's life and to show them that they're actually worshiping something, now we need to figure out a way to redirect that so they can begin to see that they can worship Christ. Is there... Anything that comes to mind?
0: Well, when it's 118 outside, one of the five C's for Arizona is climate. And so we are heavily affected by our climate. And uh, one thing that I have come to appreciate is uh, one of the churches, uh, Grace Lutheran, they have this thing called heat respite where they allow uh, the people that uh, have no place to go when it's so, so hot outside – and uh, oppressively warm. And so they'll open up their fellowship hall and give them water and food and a place just to get out of the heat, a heat respite. And so uh, we have a youth choir for North Phoenix Baptist Church that's going to be joining us in a couple weeks. And so we'll be partnered as a part of our strategic partnerships. With uh Grace Lutheran to help out on heat respite, bringing uh the the youth choir, allowing them to do some of their music, which is kind of entertaining and fun to see the youth do their music, but also helping them serve those that uh, the working poor, for those the the most marginalized in our city, for those that have no place uh, to escape from this heat so uh is that something we worship sometimes we do. But then it it becomes extreme, and it becomes so blistering hot, then it becomes something that is almost a threat to people's health. Mm -hmm. And so helping find a way to answer that and help uh, meet a need. And uh, you mentioned earlier how much water. We give out a lot of water. So a lot of our ministry is just being present through some of these different organizations and handing out water to people because that is such a um, a, – Uh, a significant part of life. In order to be able to live, you have to keep hydrated in this heat. And so we give out water to people just on the sidewalks. And it's not so that we can have some conversation or uh, share the four spiritual laws. It's just to bring a faithful Mm -hmm. presence to say, we care about you and your own health. And here, here's some water. In our remaining
1: time, uh, we've had many conversations with many people that say, I'm spiritual. But I'm not religious.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, could you give a little insight on what they mean when they say that, and
0: maybe a way that we as a church could answer that question? You'll even see if you if you Google it, uh, S B N R. It's it's even an acronym, but spiritual, but not religious. And and what that means is they're involved in things that that. Uh, They believe in a Creator, but they're just not a part of any kind of greater collective. So it's significant that we be involved in people's lives to uh, explain that there's something to be uh, even more maturity comes when we together do something for the cause of Christ.
1: Something that I've noticed when I've spoken to people about that, they're thinking about organized religion. And they're thinking about all the trappings of the church and the choir and this and then that and the giving and the whole nine yards, and they don't want that. But they, what, they, what they desperately want is a relationship, and they're trying to connect to have a relationship with all these other things out there, what I call kind of the buffet of spiritual stuff, when the deepest answer and deepest cry of their heart can be found in a relationship with Christ. Um, when we come back, we'll uh, we'll talk— um, We'll wrap, we'll wrap up when we come back. Um, I'm David Zook. You're listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Welcome back to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm David Zook filling in for Tom Brown today. And today we've had a very stimulating, very provocative, hopefully a very compelling conversation about God, cities, churches, and culture. My special guest today has been Jim Hellman, uh, whose partner in crime, my partner in crime, uh, uh, is pastor of Downtown Phoenix Church. As we've discussed, uh, what we have discovered in our uh, two to three year journey of living and ministering to the people in the downtown area. If you're a listener out there and this has been something really compelling and something that you would like more information about, uh, Jim, how would we, get, how would they get in touch with us?
0: People can go uh, look at our website at uh, downtownphoenixchurch.com or dtphxchurch.com and uh, look at some of the different things we do. We also have an app. Uh, we jokingly say sometimes we don't have a building, we have an app. And uh, some of my peers will push back and say, that's impossible. You can't keep people involved if you don't have a bill and just do it through an app. And I say, D- do you realize what social media is doing uh, with people? I know what people have for breakfast this morning uh, based on social apps. So you can't tell me that we can't communicate in today's time without an app, uh, w- without using uh, uh, an app or something like that. So uh, you can download our app at the Google Store or through the uh, Apple um Apple Store And uh, for DTPHX Church And uh, find out what we're doing We'd love to have people That just come alongside us Shoulder to shoulder When we're doing some of these Different events Just to help give us Credibility and a voice And then as people are Watching what we do uh, It gives them a chance To ask some questions And we just provide conversation
1: Yeah, there's lots of Different opportunities to serve And to be a part of We have a pop-up church We have uh, pop-up concerts We have a small group that meets. Um, We do a lot of one-on-one, two-on-two type conversations. Uh, We do a lot of service within the community. When ASU is in session, we do quite a bit of things with them. We didn't even talk about the students and all the wonderful things that are happening within the student community of uh, ASU downtown. Maybe that's something we can talk about next time that we are here. Uh, But one of the things we do know is God is alive and well in downtown Phoenix, and we invite everyone who has an interest to join in us. Thanks again for listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk um, 1360 KPXQ.